Mind Over Millennial contains explicit content that may not be suitable for all listeners. All views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the creators of Mind Over Millennial. The creators are not licensed healthcare, finance, or life professionals, but we're happy to share our Google expertise with you. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of Mind Over Millennial. My name is Lauren. My name is Tess. And we have a special guest with us today, uh, my friend Rachel, who has her own fitness and nutrition business. Wow. Uh, Rachel, I'm going <laughs> to introduce yourself and uh, what, you're, what you're doing these days. <laughs> All right. So, hey, I'm Rachel. Um, I actually work as a health educator and decided that when we move, I might as well start my own business because I can't seem to find a job at our next duty station. Um, yeah. <laughs> story of 2020. Oof. Well, story of the military spouse. Like, Jesus oh, Christ. Yeah. 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 I can't speak to that. I've never been a military spouse. Yeah. That's true. Because yeah. Tim was out when you guys got married mm-hmm. anyway. But yeah, no. So Rachel, when where's where's the next move to? And I know uh, we met because our husbands went to basic together and we actually, you, know, you so were kind of correct me that we met on graduation <laughs> instead of family day. Uh, and that was the one time we met in person, which is really cool that we're still <laughs> at point. But, um, so what, where's the next place? What's going on with uh, Eric's career? And what is the, the next logical move, obviously, is for you to have this, this business of yours. But uh, yeah. yeah. We are moving from Alabama to Kansas. Woo. <laughs> Not necessarily looking forward to it. We've heard really great things about it since we found out we were going to Kansas. But we're going to Kansas. Um, he's a pilot now, which is drastically different from when wow. you and I met each other. <laughs> yeah, no, we got, we have 11 bang bangs as husbands and now, uh... yep. no, not anymore. <laughs> 11 bang bangs. That's yeah, a, not anymore. but that's awesome. That's a great career move for him. So for you and your career, mm-hmm. uh, the, the business startup, how's that, how is that going? What made, what was the catalyst to wanting to do that other than obviously being a military spouse and having underemployment? <laughs> Um, it was actually a coworker. So I work at an army wellness center right now. And, um, what we do is, you know, everything from body composition testing to metabolic testing, to all of the super scientific stuff, to exercise prescription and health coaching. And I had a coworker who, when I started looking for jobs in Kansas, she was like, well, why don't you just start your own business? And I was like, haha, like, that's funny. And I brought it up to Eric and Eric was like, well, why don't you? Why not? <laughs> and then I thought about it and I was like, you know, when I moved from my hometown to be with you and then we moved again and then we moved again, I probably just should have done it back then instead. And then I would have retained all of my clients instead of just what I have now. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty in that yeah. way. So, I mean, yeah. even speaking to that, how have you moved from, you know, doing the in in person stuff and how are you managing doing that with quarantine and everything else like is it mainly an online business so it will be pretty much 100% online the plan is that um, and I say the plan because I only have like I'm getting a very soft slow opening right now um we're working out the kinks still I have like three people that I'm working with it it's like give me feedback tell me all of the things yeah, so that i yeah. can work on it um but it's 100% that's the same with our online. listenership right now we basically only have three listeners <laughs> oh we need to know what you think <laughs> find us on mind over millennial podcast on instagram no i'm sorry go ahead <laughs> sorry keep going <laughs> so i still technically work in a gym as well as a personal trainer so my plan is to retain as many of those clients as I can um, when I move and doing 
personal training online. Um, for me, it's not going to be like on a zoom call or anything like that. It's going to be, you know, here's a workout where or you're two or three or four, or however many you, we decide that it is mm-hmm. beneficial for you. And then, um, do like a weekly check-in kind of thing. What's working, what's not, how can we change it? How can we fix it? Um, and then my like niche, I guess you could say, however you say that word, um, <laughs> is, kind of based on like comfort level and what you have available to you. So I know a lot of gyms are so close. I know some people have booty bands at home. I know some people have this. I know some people just straight up aren't comfortable going to the gym or can't mm-hmm. pay for new equipment. So working around that to achieve your goals, whether through nutrition or through fitness and online and um, just with a weekly check-in kind of thing and going from there. Uh, so yeah. And don't you, I know you have a bachelor's, but don't you also have a master's? Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> I have two bachelor's degrees in exercise science and then physical education. So I have a whole lot of educational background, which comes in handy more than you think, even in a one-on-one personal training setting. And then I have a uh, master's degree in applied exercise science. Um, and then certified personal trainer through two different organizations and a certified performance enhancement specialist. (laughs) (laughs) And in less than two weeks, I will be a certified nutrition coach. So (laughs) So you're a type A is is what you're saying. (laughs) I like to say that I get bored easily. Um, (laughs) Once I graduated with my bachelor's degrees, I started working in a gym and I was like, well, you know, let's go get my personal training certification. And then I was working part-time in a gym, full-time in the mall, and then my husband deployed. And I was like, well, what do I do now? I was like, yeah. let's do something else. Let's go get my master's while I'm at it. Yeah. So, yeah. No, neat. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. And uh, so you're going to do a lot of this stuff online. I, and I know this is probably thinking like five steps ahead, but like, have you ever considered like doing your own app or anything like that? Yeah, I've gotten that question probably like five times so far. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's actually a lot of um, like personal training softwares out there that are for personal trainers and it's your way of communicating with your clients. It's how you send your workouts. It's how they give you feedback. It's how they log them. Um, unfortunately, those things cost money. And at the moment, <laughs> I'm <laughs> working on very little budget until I can get to a point where I'm like, okay, now I can start paying for more things. Um, so it's a lot of Excel spreadsheets and YouTube videos yeah. at the moment. That's uh, so awesome though, from yeah. all the way from the ground up. Yeah. I mean, even right. with the podcast, I don't even think we're that efficient at this point. I don't think we no. have any Excel sheets. Considering <laughs> we've missed two weeks, like two times. One, one. We've month. missed one week twice let's let's be that's what i meant one week twice don't you the edit the editor over here says get over it but it's fine i'm just giving you i'm just giving you a hard time (laughs) told you if you teach me to edit i'll edit i'm just like i'm not a type a at all no she's definitely not she's definitely not it's the fun of a partnership it's fine it's fine and sadie just hit her head on the table okay i shut the door so the dogs couldn't come in yeah that's the that's what you need to do Um, i have mine in here because if i do that the little one might try to attack the cat so if there's dog feedback on the microphone yeah erich is in the living room with them it's fine oh (laughs) so they're they're being distracted I guarantee you if I open the door, at least one of them is sitting out there waiting for me, though. At oh, least. Say, mom, come back. Mom. For, for sure. No, moms can never be replaced. They, they can't. But no. um, so you have both of these degrees, and obviously you went into, well, three. You have tr- trace of these degrees. I don't know. Triple? Trace. Three, whatever. Trace. Trace, <laughs> trace degree. Yeah. Oh, God. I hate saying that I have three degrees sometimes. <laughs> so I'm like, God, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> Hey, I mean, if it works, it works, right? But yeah. um, so you obviously went in and you have this passion for fitness and, you know, how do you keep one, it's two-parter, how do you keep yourself motivated? And Ooh, good question. And what made you want to, you know, go into actually getting those degrees? Like what was, what was the passion that existed there? And then I guess, how do you keep your motivation? So the passion part started actually after I got the part, the two bachelor's degrees. 
So what happened all throughout college was like, I had a very bad college experience. I hated college. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think it was partially just due to the college that I was at. Um, but I actually went into college thinking I was going to be a high school math teacher. I loved math and I wanted to teach. All I wanted to do was teach. And I had, yeah, I had this, like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) And the (laughs) math department at the college that I went to, I had two very bad experiences and I went and asked for help and they were just kind of like, eh. And I was like, okay, there's no, like I need to do something about this. And I was like, well, let's stay in the teaching field and I'll switch to something else. And I was like, well, what should I switch to? And I was a figure skater for my whole childhood and then some. So I spent, you know, 15 years plus in ice rinks, in gyms, in Mm -hmm. ballet studios, in this, in that, just moving essentially so we were like well the next logical step is let's go into physical education so like cool I'm still teaching and it's physical I'm used to it however the college that I went to um, in the entire state was the only one that focused on the educational aspect of it which worked out in my favor Mm -hmm. not the exercise anatomy movement or aspect of it so I was like you know Uh what I'm gonna pick up that second degree because if I go anywhere else in the country Yep. They're going to be looking for the physical this exercise, part. this physical yep. part. And I had horrible, and I mean horrible student teaching experiences. I had oh someone actually reach out to me two years after because mm-hmm. they had the exact same situation that I did with the exact same teacher. And we were her only two mentors. And we were just like, Whew. cannot deal with it. So Whew. at that point, I was like, I'm not teaching. I'm finishing this degree. And I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> Cannot do it. Oh, no. I was like, I'm bound to determine. I actually finished my exercise science degree a full year before I finished my physical education degree. And I was like, I need to finish this and then be done. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then I started working in a gym. And then I got my personal training certification. It was like, you know what? Now I know that I really like this. I'm way better in a one-on-one situation. I can apply a lot of the educational things in a one-on-one situation, especially because at the time I was training young figure figure skaters. Mm. So it was super helpful to have that background. Um, Then I went and got my master's. So that's how all that happened. (laughs) And then when I did my master's, um, part of one of the classes was like, if you're going to get your, this specific certification, like this is the class when when you take it. So like, you know what? I used my CAA. I don't know if you know what my CAA is, but yeah. if you do, I used it. They paid for that cert, two certifications actually. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and used that, got my, that's how I got my performance enhancement specialist. Um, and then for my final, for my master's, I have what's a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer. And I did an entire thesis essentially on or final paper, I guess, because it wasn't actually a thesis on the comparison of a National Academy of Sports Medicine one and an American College of Sports Medicine oh, neat. certified personal trainer. So I was like, well, I have to go all through all this research. Let's take this test too. And the American College of Sports Medicine is considered like the gold standard. Um, if you're going to work anywhere federally or for a state, you have to have your, um, American college of sports medicine. So that's how I ended up with all my degrees and certifications. Okay. So beyond being just type a, how do you keep that motivation? Cause like already you're already speaking like leagues above even what, like, and I'm type a, but like that's leagues above what I can actually get myself to fucking do. <laughs> so. <laughs> so this is actually something that I've been thinking about in how I coach um, this as well. And I am working on a certification and currently, and they explain it perfectly. And it's literally just action and consistency happens before your motivation does. And that can be through anything, not just, you know, education or certifications or workouts, mm-hmm. but you're not going to be motivated to do something until you start doing it essentially and start doing it consistently because you can start doing something and be like sure yeah now I'm motivated but unless you're doing it over and over and over and over again you're not going to be motivated to do it creating habits instead of waiting for that inspiration to strike exactly because then it becomes a habit and you're like well now I'm motivated to do it because I have to do it to get through my day kind of thing yeah I'm motivated to go sit on the couch 
Need some popcorn. <laughs> Girl, <That's a> habit. <laughs> I like, don't get me wrong. I have my nutrition cert or I'm working on it. I have my trainer and all this stuff. I love me some food. So now, now I have to ask when it comes to food, are there any true actual superfoods or is that just a bunch of bullshit? Not really. There's nothing that's like significantly like this is going to be your magic pill. It's a super amazing food. Like, no, there's right. nothing like that. There are nutrient dense foods, foods that are more nutrient dense than others. Um, so these $12 avocado toasts, you're saying they're bullshit. I mean, avocado toast is delicious, so I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> the gimmick. There's a gimmick there. I'm, I'm going to divide people. I don't like avocados. So. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We, Neither does my dad. We discussed, like, the avocado theory being true for Lauren and I. I don't know if you're familiar with the olive theory from... Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. From How I Met Your Mother. Okay. I just want to make sure. Um, but, because Lauren was not. Um, but this is our avocado but, theory. <laughs> But the thing is, Olive Theory wasn't real, remember? I know, really, I but she also it. said that she can occasionally fuck with some guacamole. So the avocado theory is also kind of hazy, but it's still there because it's I have to line. love her through her problem of not liking avocado. It's not a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> it's not a problem. It's a problem. There's, okay, this is my love of avocados. There's a brand called Muscle and Donuts, and I have a pair of donuts, shorts, that I love and they have avocado ones and I'm about this close to ordering them and it's literally just shorts with avocados all over them. You should do it because that is amazing. I cannot oh, believe. Amazing. Also free free plug to <laughs> donuts and what is it? Sorry, muscles and donuts. It's I love it so much and I want to order so much stuff from them. <laughs> it's bad. It's so bad. Muscles and donuts, you should become a sponsor for both us and uh <laughs> and Rachel over here. Uh, <laughs> One of these, one of these days, one of these days. Yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, so I mean, all in all, that's pretty cool. Now I have to get into the nitty gritty of your life. Do you have any horror stories of, uh, and I'm sure you do, of working, especially working on base, of anything that uh, isn't, you know, not going to violate HIPAA or anything, but yeah. anything that just kind of strikes you as super odd <clears throat> or horrible? In what sense? In liter uh, your worst experience with somebody that um, has anybody ever blamed you for not being able to lose weight? Mm. No, That's I've gotten a lot. So especially in Alaska, I got a lot, and I mean a lot of. Well, she's really young. Can she do this? Like, yes, I can. <laughs> I have multiple degrees and certifications. Yes, I can do this. Um, I got a lot of that. I, half the time I still do, like even at the army wellness center, I'm the youngest person there. Um, and I still get a lot of really like, yes. yes. Well, but not to even be, not to insult you, but like, I, and I don't know what the army, the army wellness center really does. Like, I understand the, um, the biometrics and stuff like that, but like, mm -hmm. I, I imagine that there really isn't an age limit on knowing what to do when it comes to biometrics if you know what you're doing so <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know i don't know don't you guys even have like the like did do you guys have those pods and stuff mm, on so base we use two? a bod pod we use a bod pod um we do metabolic assessments we can't do fitness assessments right now just because of covid um yeah. and then stress management health coaching um and health coaching is like a very broad term um, cause that can be a nutrition counseling exercise prescription. Um, yeah. Have you ever had anything really bad happen during a stress test? I've never done, we have, we don't really do stress tests. When I say stress management, I mean like coping mechanisms and stuff uh -huh. like that. I'm sorry. I don't have a lot. No, it's fine. Lauren like, wants the tea. I did make it up and give it to her. In, in my mind, in my mind, like the really sick, twisted part of my brain is like, have you ever had somebody drop dead on a treadmill? All year? No. Um, when I was working with 12 year old figure skaters, I had a lot of tears. A oh, lot. no. <laughs> so many tears. I can imagine that. Well, I mean, it's a different type of cardio. Like you're using a different part. You're using a different part of your legs though. Like I hate running, but I love skating. Like I will, I will skate on a hawk. I will skate on hockey 
uh, skates all damn day, but you make me run on a treadmill. I hate my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'd say I feel that, but I also ran a 10K this year or last year. So I don't no. know. No, I hate no. running with a burning passion, yet I decided to run a 10K. I don't know mm, no. where, I, when, or why that happened. I yeah. literally opted away from getting a treadmill in favor of an elliptical because of how much I hate standard running. Like, I just... I'm on, I'm on that boat. I can't. I don't know why. I wasn't allowed to run for a very, very, very long time. Um, why? Yeah. You have both of us, like, <laughs> like tilting what? our heads like dogs that hurt us high pitch noise. <laughs> uh so when skaters that honestly okay. might have to go on like instagram or something that was fucking hysterical <laughs> sorry I, 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 yeah i agree with that <laughs> why could you not run so if this is an old like outdated thing that's not really accurate anymore but they used to say that the way your skates um laid on your ankles it could cause a lot of shin splints when you were running um hmm. Hmm. That would then be detrimental to your skating, yeah. not to mention just your feet in general end up being like your prized possessions when you're skating. So they was like, nothing that can hurt your feet right. um, kind of thing. So I wasn't allowed to run for a very long time. It was like, it's your cardio in other ways. Um, do another run through of your program kind of thing. Um, so I wasn't allowed for a very long time. Wow. So is it just like out of spite now that you run? No. Eric <laughs> bought me a Garmin <laughs> and I was like, well, because <laughs> my fitbit was dying my fitbit stopped charging it was bad yeah um, so he bought me a garbage so i was like let's do the 5k training thing that's on here and i finished that and i was like well now what do i do He's like well let's do a 10k so are you gonna run a marathon by 2022 f no <laughs> hell no I mean, you got the you you got the you got the mental stability and and everything else. Those three I mean, degrees. Start okay, that, that's a stretch. <laughs> half marathon. Yeah, a half marathon. We could do that. I mean, eh, I could, but I don't want to. That's valid. I don't know. That I, I so to. when I was running like that, I was doing like three runs a week and like two workouts a week. And after that, I was like, you know what? I need to do like four lifts a week and like maybe a run or two. That's what I'm doing now, and it feels so much better. Yeah, but that's also because like I still don't like running. Like, yeah, no, I yeah. feel that. I I told myself that in 2021 I was going to do a lot more cardio, and then I end up at the gym doing 600 pound uh, leg uh, presses instead, and I'm just like, mm, I can't, I can't do cardio. <laughs> okay, and that's next thing, because I'm just on a roll today. Um, yes, go for it, roll away. <laughs> how how do you manage? to get yourself to do that type of cardio is there something where like you set a minor goal for yourself like that 5k like that 10k or has or what do you recommend for people that are trying to get more into that state and then find it to be like I really 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 don't do this is it the same thing as just making it that habit um yes and no so it is making it that habit but it's also like baby steps right Mm -hmm. I don't know like don't know if you've ever seen the movie Brittany runs a marathon okay so it's about a girl in New York City who wants to lose weight and she starts training for a marathon and literally her first day of training is I'm going to run a block oh and then it's I'm going to run that block again um so it's like literally and that's you know there's a whole lot involved in that movie it's not just that but uh that's a really great example is starting really small and making bigger steps as or making little steps together to make a bigger step so like when I started doing the 5k training on my watch they have like a five minute um baseline run essentially on the Garmin and like I was terrified I was like I have not run for five minutes straight in years literally years even if I was I was doing something like interval related instead of just run for five minutes and now it's like that's like half of my warm up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's taking those baby steps is what helps you because those be- those baby steps become the habits and then you become motivated to do more. Okay. So yeah, I don't even think I've ever th- I just learned something right now cuz I know that whenever I've tried to really do cardio, I like compare it to when I was doing cardio for a very long time 
And then I'm like, okay, I should be able to like, should, right? Like that's the detrimental word. I should be able to just do this. And then I try to go ham and then I'm like, I can't even get three minutes in and I'm dying. (laughs) Yeah. It's starting off smaller than that. Like if you're like, I used to be able to do 30 minutes at this specific, you know, um, intensity, intensity, resistance, whatever the word, whatever it is you're doing. Right. Um, and you say you want to go for that 30 minutes, but you haven't done it in two months, like just reduce that resistance, reduce that speed and then go for 30 minutes. And then maybe the next time you want to do 20 minutes up your resistance for 20 minutes and then stick with that or go for 25 minutes at a resistance somewhere in the middle, stuff, stuff like that. And even though that's like a giant step, right? Like for some people that seems completely not even doable, So it can be even smaller than that. And that can be, you know, I'm going to walk around my neighborhood once. Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk around my neighborhood twice. Like it can be significantly smaller than I'm going to do something for 30 minutes. Yeah. No, I feel that. And like those baby steps are imperative. I just guess I've never, and I'm sure a lot of people that were probably fit at one point in their life or at least fitter than they are now are all like, no, I should be able to do X, Y, Z thing. And then it, it really like, for me, it puts a strain on my mental capability to move forward past that point because then I just get so frustrated and like, Tess, I don't know, you've, you've injured yourself multiple (laughs) times with jujitsu. So if you have ever had to take like a major break, have you ever gotten not frustrated enough where you leave, but like, cause you still do jujitsu, but you know, what, what does that kind of process look like for you? It, no, it's, it's definitely a thing. Cause you know, you get injured and like this last time I got my knee popped, I had to take almost two or three weeks off and just like, not, I think I went twice, but it didn't really have anything going. And then when you go back, I mean, jujitsu is a different kind of cardio and you really notice when you get back on the mat and then there's a 200 pound person on top of you smashing your lungs down and not allowing you to breathe. You're like, oh, okay. So um, yeah, I mean, it's just trying to maintain, our coach always talks to us about like, try to maintain your cardio. If you can't run, then swim. If you can't swim, do elliptical, like do something to maintain that cardio. A lot of the athletes also try to lift weights and do stuff like that. Um, Okay. Sorry. Uh, but he encourages us to, you know, get in the gym, but the weird thing, the biggest issue when you come back off an injury is jujitsu athletes will say that they are quote out of shape if they miss more than three days in a row. Really? And the pressure of get back in it and get back to where you were is huge. Like everybody come in off the holidays. We all take a, you know, break for our families or whatever around the hall or not all of us, but a good number. And people will come back after the holidays for like two months after that saying that they're out of shape because they lost just a minuscule amount of progress. Or, you know, when people go in for weight cuts and competition prep the week of, they put their bodies through drastic things because they're saying, oh, I'm out of shape. So in the next two weeks, I'm going to get in shape. It's like, like I said, the amount of pressure. This is why we see so much body dysmorphia and disordered eating in fighters all the time. Doesn't matter what kind of fighting you're doing, UFC, MMA, uh, or well, I guess UFC is, is MMA, but anything fighting related, you see so much of that. And again, working on this certification, you realize that like body manipulation like that is like, you should only be doing that for a very, very, very short amount of time. And that's why you have people who are walking around at a certain weight and fighting at another weight because you don't want to have that body manipulation for any longer than you need to. But you end up with this horrible mental state when it comes to training and being in this shape, what you're talking about. No, because the first first time that I ever went in for a competition, I'd only been training for three months. Uh, I'd never done a weight cut in my life because, you know, I wasn't like a high school wrestler or anything like that. And at three months and at that level of like you're fighting as a brand new, whatever, you don't, you shouldn't be doing weight cuts. I didn't know that at the time. Um, but my coach at the time was like, oh, well, what weight class are you going to fight in? And I was like, why well, weigh this? And he's like, that's not what I asked you. And I think I did like a five or seven pound weight cut my first time or tried to. 
and like walked on the mat feeling so weak and so just whatever lost my cool and slammed my opponent and got disqualified because like my just fight or flight kicked in because I didn't have anything left and I just I I've gotten healthier this? about it since, but like, this is ridiculous. You see that with people like bodybuilders and bikini competitors too. Um, they'll say that like, you might look your best when you're on stage, but you feel your absolute worst because you are completely dehydrated to make sure that you're toned. You know, you are getting a pump backstage. Like you see the same similar kinds of things where you just feel like absolute crap, but you are the right weight, the right everything like that. Yep. And since then I've done cuts of like eight pounds in a week and I've seen people do cuts of 14 pounds in a week and stuff like that. The guys will do 14 girls will do eight, like whatever you see a guy do, a girl will do probably half that. Um, which is also interesting because your body weight can fluctuate normally up to three pounds in either direction Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Sorry. I don't mean to be keep cutting you off. No, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm like interested to share this because this is a part of the fighting community that like, if you're professional and you know how to do it and you have a coach in your corner, like I'm not saying don't cut weight, don't get in the weight class that you want. But in my experience personally, it started as a very unhealthy thing. And now, unless I'm like two pounds from the next weight class, I don't cut weight. I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to fight them at whatever weight I'm at. And I end up fighting girls that look a lot bigger than me because I have a dense body mass. <laughs> I don't even think I could lose three pounds in a week, let alone eight. Like, oh, I've, I've lost three pounds in 20 minutes. Like they, they teach you drastic ways to do it. I've lost, I think it was five and a half pounds or seven pounds so, in 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, your body weight can fluctuate up to three pounds in any direction. And it can go even higher. There are some people that just naturally will hold more water weight or that would be um, me. <laughs> yeah, hold more water weight or their their diet changes or something like that where your weight will fluctuate. And that's why a lot of trainers or people sometimes will stray away from weight or won't always use it as like a 100% measurable thing. Yeah. And they understand that it changes, but like you can change that in a very short amount of time just based off your sweating, what you're eating, when you ate, what time it was that you ate. Um, so you can change that in a very short amount of time. It's just not sustainable. It's going to no. change as soon as you go back to your normal life. Or rehydrate because a lot, a lot of it, mm-hmm. a lot it's of it water is weight. water weight. Yeah. That's why I was saying like in 20 minutes losing five pounds or whatever, what, what we do, Lauren, because I saw the look on your face. Um, one is fucking dying. I haven't even done this and I'm dying. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's so painful. The, the times that I've really committed to weight cuts, it's been so painful. Um, and one of the ones that I did, I woke up the morning of the fight and I was overweight and I was like, I'm not, and they'll disqualify you if you walk in and you're on the wrong weight, you don't get to fight. So, um, this one, I woke up the morning of the fight and I was overweight and I couldn't do it. So my teammate ran to Walmart and got me Epsom salt and baking soda. And I got in a bathtub that had been like added boiling hot water into the bath. Literally like you boil water, you put it in there and you turn the hot water heater up as high as it will go. You close the shower curtain and you put towels under all the doors and everything. So you make your own like sauna hot box kind of thing. Oh, thank God. You and don't then get, you in, get the in the water. No! No, then you get in the water. And it should be so hot that it hurts when you move. No! And then you sit there and like, it looks like you have a sprinkler coming off your head. You're sweating so much because the Epsom salts leaches from your organs. It'll leach the water weight like deeper internally. And then the uh, baking soda will sit on your skin like a film. So it's almost like you have this extra oil that you've added like on top of your skin that makes you sweat more and more and more. And yeah, it's like five pounds in 20 minutes. I feel like I'm watching myself watch a horror movie right now with the way, like, and I apologize to our listeners for me yelling that no, but like that was a genuine reaction. No, like, yeah, you get awful. in the water. Yeah. I'm or, crying. I am people, crying right now. Or people who wear those like trash bag suits and a bunch of sweaters and sweatshirts Sweat and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, so, I'm sorry. I didn't know what it was called. And yeah. sit in the sauna. Or I've seen guys train the night before in those suits, like on under their geese. So that you're actually wearing a sweatsuit like in class. And I mean, in class, you can lose three pounds of water weight if you really get hard rolls in. I'm sorry for like shotgunning the middle section. I didn't mean to do that, but this stuff is, yeah. 
You're over there looking at me like horrified. And I know that all this is bad. I'm saying I've corrected my ways, but this is something that amateur fighters do and often do wrong. That is bonkers. Like, cause it, and body like, that's, manipulation is crazy. And that's worse than like what I was thinking, because like, honestly, like the first face I made, I'm like, did you like bulimia? Like, I know that exists, <laughs> but like, this just sounds so much worse. Mm-hmm. And they do it on the regular because like, if you're going to stay in a weight class or fight in a weight class and walk in a different weight class. And that's, that's a really common question with fighters. What do you walk at? And then what do you fight at? They never ask you straight up. How much do you weigh? Because they know that it's going to be two different answers. That is bonkers. And like, if somebody were to put me in an MMA fight, they'd take me down 15 or 20 pounds from where I'm at right now. Rachel, how do you fix her? No, I, I don't do this. I don't do this. I'm <laughs> saying this is not good, but I'm just saying like, if I were to take an MMA fight where the weight cuts are even larger, not a jujitsu fight, then yeah, they'd probably take me down 15 or 20 pounds. That's yeah. Walking around weight is drastically different than, um, your fighting weight. And I, it's sometimes like, I can see where people are like, it's good in theory, right? You don't want to be walking around at that weight all the time. And plus during training, you need to be fueling yourself way different than you would be if you're trying to cut or if you are fighting that day, you know, you're fueling yourself way differently than you would be. So it makes sense that people walk around significantly heavier during training than they would during um, a fight or a cut. So why wouldn't you just like fight at your normal weight with somebody else that's fighting on like a lower weight and they feel like shit? Oh, see, I agree with that. I have, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand personally. So, so Tess, um, why? Well, <laughs> a couple of reasons for jujitsu. I think that in an amateur sense, weight cutting should be kind of more done away with in my personal, very low level opinion. Um, for the MMA fights and stuff like that, I can understand it a little bit more because they are trying to go pound for pound with muscle. And if you have the ability to cut that water weight and then weigh in one or two days before and refuel your body up to where you were. Um, I know of fighters who have gained up Mm -hmm. to 20, 30 pounds overnight, just refueling their body after that cut. And these are documented. And this is stuff that happens on your really, really high level, like UFC, stuff. They'll walk in looking completely gassed, absolute feeling like shit, everything like that. And then they have 24 hours to pack their body back full of nutrients and fight at 75% capacity instead of 50% capacity. That is For jujitsu, I think that technique should go over pound for pound muscle. And I personally, like I said, I don't do weight cuts anymore because it's just like, I don't I don't want to do that. If it's something where it's like, hey, um, if you drop five pounds, I have an opponent for you. Um, but if you can't drop that, like we're, we're trying to meet in the middle, we're bringing you down five and her up five or something like that. Then, okay, fine. Because like you said, you're up to three pounds just any day. You fluctuate one way or the other. So add an extra two to that. Again, that's, that's not so bad. But yeah, no, these massive weight cuts. Because if you have good technique in jujitsu, it said that it's supposed to be able to take up to 50 pounds more weight than you weigh. So like I weigh 150 right now. So I should be able to take up to a 200 pound person if I have the same level of technique or yeah, this, I'm not saying that right, but I think you know what I mean. So no, I'm, I'm anti-weight cut. I don't know. I don't know either. I have absolutely no idea. I don't have experience working with fighters directly, if that makes sense. So I don't know. I know I have read um, Tim Ferriss's documentation of it where he went in and went through a huge water weight cut, lost 30 pounds, went in and weighed in at that cut weight and then fought at his normal weight because, again, you have that 24-hour refueling period. And he won against guys that should have been way better than him because he was way bigger than them. So this is kind of a cycle that breeds itself because if you have these people cutting weight and then coming in and actually being way bigger than they are, then if you haven't cut any weight, you don't stand a chance. So I think that's a little bit of the, like it rebreeds. So it's kind of just like a cultural thing that exists within like the wrestling. Cause I know that it exists in wrestling. Cause I was going to join the wrestling team on, uh, in my high school. Cause I just liked sports mm-hmm. and I also enjoy being like the only girl that can just rock shit. Cause it would have been fucking fun. And also I learned that if a boy gets an erection during a wrestling match, they are disqualified. 
So that was going to be my, that was going to be my kicker. Uh, not really, but it was, uh, (laughs) read the rules and win. But, um, but I had a couple of friends that were on the wrestling team and they would tell me about all of the random cutting that they would have to do or gaining that they would have Mm -hmm. to do within a week, like week periods, because you have matches Matches almost every week. And that like, it's not, it's not healthy. I can't imagine the toll that it has to take on people that are literally, their bodies are just beginning to really form themselves and you're mm-hmm. developing. And that's definitely not to say that there's not healthy ways to do it. There is, oh, yeah. there's definitely healthy ways to cut the weight that you need to. Um, high school wrestling is an interesting beast of its own because you are competing almost every week mm-hmm. and then you run into the problem of these are essentially kids that we're teaching to do this. And it's like, again, like, you have no. that dysmorphia angle. Yeah. yeah. And then you end up with that. Dis- yeah. Cause then you end up with kids who their kids when they're 16, 17, 18, Hey, this is how I cut weight. And now they're 25, 26, 27. Like I want to get back down to that weight. So I'm going to do this cut again. And it's like, no, your body is drastically different. Mm-hmm. You are not training the same way, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, yeah, that's, it's interesting, like high school sports in general tend to be a whole beast of their own, especially from a training and long-term health. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, go ahead. Something that was bonkers to me. I've talked to people who have been in the high school wrestling thing and another piece of it that wasn't just weight cuts were what slots do we have to fill? What weights do we need? So mm-hmm. people that should not be fighting at that weight were given that slot and it's like, all right, make that weight. And then as you get better, as you get to be more varsity, you know, then it's like you get to walk around or be closer to where you should actually be. But I've, I've known of people where they were trying to be 15 pounds lower just all the time and then they're starving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just the, the other sports angle, I played softball in high school um, and I weighed less in high school. Obviously everybody weighs less in high school, but I weighed less in high school than I ever had. Well, that's not true. College, I got way skinny, which is also a part of the story, but like I weighed 145 and I'm 5'8". So I weighed 145 in uh, high school, which is, you know, as a body mass, like that's supposed to be average, but like, I also have an issue with the BMI thing entirely also. And, and Rachel's also <laughs> Rachel's just like, like no, 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 forget that. No. <laughs> But, um, but you know, I was normal weight and like every once in a while, my coaches would make comments about like how, you know, these other girls that are a lot shorter than me and a lot, therefore skinnier than I am. And also don't have Dutch jeans. They were nice little Puerto Rican and Cuban girls. So they had nice little skinny hips and everything else, uh, skinny (laughs) hips and big butts for whatever reason, which is dope. But like, that's not the way I'm built. I'm built like a fucking farmer. So I've got giant (laughs) fucking thighs. That's why I can uh, like press 600 pounds and I've got giant arms and giant traps because I used to swim a lot. So fuck off. That's just the way that I'm built. I'm a brick house. Get over it. So, (laughs) (laughs) so my coaches, uh, his old, her old man was literally the old man. And he was also one of our coaches and they would always kind of make cross comments about like, people needing to lean down. And like, there were a couple of girls on the team that were even for our age overweight and it made sense. But every once in a while, like I would get this cross-eyed look at me and it would be like, everybody needs to lose weight. And I'm like, these thighs ain't going fucking anywhere. Cause they're all <laughs> muscle baby. And then in college, I came back just to like see the team. And I had so much anxiety in college. I was uh, working at a place where I walked all the time. So like I would walk almost 10 miles a day and I didn't eat. Like I just didn't eat because of the anxiety that I had. And so I literally was less than a size zero. Like it was unhealthy. I was probably like 125-ish pounds at 5'8". Not a good look. It was not a good look, but it looked okay because I walked so much that I looked tone as opposed to looking just like frail. And so I went back and and saw everybody and uh, was just having some uh, like batting time, whatever. And I went and saw the old man and the old man went, oh, you finally lost all that weight. You went, you'd go to college and you get skinny. And I was just like, Uh, Como? (laughs) 
but like that's that's why girls have that fucking body image i know boys do too like i know they do but like that's that's the body dysmorphia bullshit like girl try being a figure skater with d cups there's nothing you can do there there's nothing no there's nothing it didn't matter how skinny i got they were always there um you know and i obviously can relate to this and it's where a lot of my training comes from now um but you know it happens for figure skaters literally constantly all the time doesn't matter um I think I was 12 the first time I was told I needed to lose weight. Granted, it was only like three pounds, but it was like, you need to lose three pounds. I legit lost jobs when I was um, looking for professional skating because I wasn't skinny enough. And I was like, "Mm -mm, I'm not going to bother because there was a point in high school where you could see my ribs in my prom dress and everyone thought it was okay. And it was like, that's not okay. okay. And then when I was in college and they're like, you need to be more physically fit for this contract. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to. Because I wasn't. And <laughs> what do you mean physically fit? Like I am physically fit. This is what a female body that is physically fit looks like. Oh, yeah. duh. so then when it comes to like, training my job, starting this business, even when I was working with figure skaters, I didn't weigh my skaters. I didn't tell them they needed to lose weight. I still, unless you specifically have a weight loss goal and it is a healthy goal and we are going about it in a healthy manner, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to directly like weigh you. And that is your goal. That is your only goal. Like that's not, that's not how it's going to work. Um, I hate it when I have clients that are like, I'm fat or I'm this or I'm that. Like, no, you're not like, you're taking the steps to do things, to change your life, to do things better. And we're going to go about it in a healthy manner. And we're going to look at all of the wins, not just the weight loss wins. Right. Like I had a client this past week who she was convinced she was not going to be able to write herself a workout. I can't write myself working. I can't do it. I don't know. I'm not smart enough. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And we had to go about a month of no training. And sure enough, she comes back and she was like, yeah, my son has a whole garage gym and I just started working out. And I was like, okay, did you write your workouts? She's like, yeah. Did you do this? Yeah. Did you do this? Yeah. Oh, so you can't write your own workout. And like, that was a major victory. That is not it all weight related. Right. Yeah. Right. And so trying so hard to move away from this weight loss, everyone needs to be at this specific weight. Like (sighs) it's so difficult. And she's in her fifties and she still has this mentality. Like, no. Yeah. I don't think that ever goes away, especially not for like ingrained. Yeah. I, I, especially for white women. Like, I don't even know if she's a white woman, but I do know for a fact that my, my mom is 63 and my Nana, God bless her soul. My Nana had a, a diet plan that my mom found for my wedding. She was 78 at my wedding. Like, <laughs> and one of the things that she logged was that she had whiskey and that was a yes. hundred calories. So she wasn't yes. allowed to have anything, anything else that was a treat that day. Oh my God. <laughs> like, that's the shit. Like it's so, it is, it's so ingrained. And that BMI bullshit doesn't help either. Cause no, 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 no BMI does not help. It's not really no. an accurate anything anymore. If we were to go solely based on that, then every single athlete out there, except for probably, you know, stick figure, tiny cheerleaders, cheerleaders, skaters, dancers, um, are morbidly and then, obese. And even then, yeah, any athlete essentially would be overweight or obese and yeah. BMI was originally made for white males in the like 1800s. It is not meant to be applied to literally anyone else um, at all. Yeah, Lauren, no. you, you're constantly telling me to eat. And according to BMI, I'm like on the high side of average as far as weight is concerned. Well, I just got told and, and you know, depending on whenever we have you back, Rachel, we'll have a, another episode. Um, but like I was, I was told on the fertility scale that I need to lose at least like 20 pounds and like I do anyways but like all of the weight that I have is from muscle yeah like so then why do you lose weight because I'm not if if, if you're aware of that I agree with you and I also told my doctor that and I was just like uh I don't I don't know what to tell you doc but like you're telling me that I need to lose muscle mass as opposed to fat and she was just like well then you need to go to the MJ you're at brag right yeah I'm at brag okay there's a, there's a wellness center there. That's, that's the next thing she said was go to the wellness center, get your metabolic rate, like get all that stuff because the next step for like the fertility stuff is 
they won't take, they won't take people that are, you know, obese or whatever. And it's like, okay, like I fully understand how all these things affect the next thing. Like I get the dominoes, but it's not, it's not a piece of paper. Like, yeah. So yeah. That's yeah. interesting that they, that's how they're classifying things. That's weird. That's interesting. I finally found somebody that gave me any type of medication or any help whatsoever. So I was just like, whatever, this is the next mm-hmm. step on the checklist and that's fine. But that's a story for another yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <Yeah. laughs> that's the, that's the fun story of the BMI and why I also hate it, but it's just, it's bonks. It's absolutely yeah. bonks. It's crazy. This conversation took a very interesting time. <laughs> That's usually what happens on our uh, on our podcast, and we're actually coming up on our hour, which is dope. Oh my gosh, that's wow! wow that went really quick. I'm sorry, I got really into that. <laughs> it really did. So, uh, Rachel, tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, I'm custom with a K, so K U S T O M Fitness and Nutrition um, on Instagram and on Facebook. My website is not live yet for a variety of reasons, but it's coming um yeah cool all right Tessa tell everybody where they can find us well if you don't know by now you can find us at mind over millennial podcast on instagram that millennial lauren on instagram and my name is tess uh or you can shoot us an email at mind over millennial podcast at gmail.com we take requests we take feedback we like constructive criticism better than you guys just suck because we want to work on it and get better if you think that um but we love you all you beautiful human unicorns and we will see you on the next one thank you rachel for joining us thanks for having me bye guys Over Millennial contains explicit content that may not be suitable for all listeners. All views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the creators of Mind Over Millennial. The creators are not licensed healthcare, finance, or life professionals, but we're happy to share our Google expertise with you. Listener discretion is advised.